You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest-growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. Singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist Nicole Serrano's rich, soulful, and emotional voice captures you immediately, carving her own path between soul and alternative pop. Nicole Serrano is now showing off a new side, evolving her sound and creative passion into what's always been there. So over the past five years, Nicole has been able to write and lead worship as part of Red Rocks Worship, partnered with Capitol Records, CMG, and Providence Sony on various projects, all the while recording and releasing four independent albums. She's excited about this new creative season as she expands and prepares to release more new music. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome one of the most beautiful voices you'll ever hear, the multi-talented Nicole Serrano. Oh welcome. My goodness. That was so kind. Thank you. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'm going to be honest. I just the, just the day before our interview, I sat down, listened to many of the songs and uh, wow, I was taken back on how, and I'm seriously, how beautiful your voice is. The, the songs are just amazing. Thank you so much. You are, I mean, let's hang out every day. I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I really listened to um, I Am Held, uh, Make Room, and um, where were those, you know, and I actually watched the music videos, so where were those shot? Yeah, those are um, those were shot at a church that I lead worship at in town in Nashville. Uh, it's called Sparrow Day. It's pronounced like the bird, but spelled S P E R O D E I. Wow! It, you know, it, when I was watching them, I'm thinking because the way they were shot. They, I mean, the music is beautiful. Your voice is beautiful. The setting of the videos was the exact same way, and I almost got to thinking because I'd never heard the name or, you know, at first I'm thinking, okay, I'm, that's got to be a church. And I, yeah. but the whole feel of it was, I just thought it was actually filmed in Europe by the way that it looked. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. And, um, so, um, so you, so you play guitar, but you're also multi-instruments. What, what other instruments do you play? So I actually started, um, playing drums. Me and my brother, uh, we grew up in a house that was always playing music, thanks to my dad. And we would, we were those kids that would get all the pots and pans and like just bang stuff all the time. Drove my mother insane. But, uh, but yeah, I started on drums, uh, moved to piano and guitar and other random things I'll probably never play, like clarinet and saxophone. <laughs> but, but yeah, I just love, I love all the instruments and love the challenge of learning something new. Well, does that help you in writing songs that knowing that you can play multiple instruments that as you're writing, you can maybe hear things that other people can't? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, and I've been producing more lately. And I think, you know, piano helps with melody and guitar helps with rhythmic stuff. Um, and then just playing with new kinds of sounds just unlocks things that you don't initially imagine just strumming a guitar or, you know, singing acapella somewhere. So it's been a lot of fun learning. So what made you want to start writing songs? This is very um, not 
it's not a very deep thought, but I was 14. So I think being young helped and I, I wasn't self-aware enough to, to think like, I'm not good at this, so I won't do it. <laughs> um, but I just thought, okay, I'm learning these songs that other people write. So like, what if I just tried and didn't worry about if it was good or not, which it wasn't for many years, but um, just kept writing and haven't stopped since. So it's worked out. Now, do you write solo or do you sit down and write with other people to collaborate? I do both. Um, Nashville is definitely a collaborative town. And so I've learned to play with all different kinds of people and write different kinds of songs. Um, but, you know, stuff that feels more personal, I do like to kind of 100% that at least to start. And uh, just depends on the, the song. Well, how did you become part of Red Rocks Worship? Um, that came about, let's see, I moved to Nashville um, in 2012. I was here for two years and I was so broke and I was a nanny and just like, I just couldn't really break through music at that point. And people say it's a 10 year town, you know, it takes a good amount of time to to make any kind of movement. But I was, you know, I was young and I was like, it's not working. And I got a job offer, just cold call in an email. And they were like, hey, why don't you come fly out? We'll pay for your broke self to come and we'll pay you and just check it out. And I really fell in love with Denver and um, a lot of the people there. And so I ended up being there for I think four and a half years. Why? Well, I mean, now, how did they find out about you if you, you know, I hear the broke stories about Nashville a lot. So that's that's very common. But how did someone find out about you to offer you that position? You think I would know that by now. But, uh, I think it was like a friend of the of a friend of like one of the pastors there. Um, and we randomly got coffee. I also did the voice for a season and didn't make it and but that was at least public knowledge and so it's like hey take the reject voice contestant <laughs> i don't know um but yeah I, I think the world's small and we're all just a couple of degrees separated it's just well, it just happened. yeah it's crazy well then that means some of your work was what roaming around town or was it for the fact that uh, were you singing at church singing in church at that time no, I wasn't. It was a couple songs that were being, you know, passed around or doing well on Spotify and um, all those little things moving at the same time. I think it's all momentum and just keeping busy and you never know what's going to, you know, come up on someone's radar. Now, I've so. never talked to someone who got rejected by The Voice. So what made you want to audition for The Voice and what happened? Oh, man, I... I got a random, like, I thought it was a prank call. I thought one of my friends was being a jerk. Like, hey, we discovered you and like, come to LA. Um, but it was real and it was, I think it was 2012. Um, so it was a while ago, but, um, but yeah, I was like, oh, this is an awesome opportunity. Like, why not try? Like, it's fine. And uh, it ended up being pretty traumatic for a lot of us who got rejected. <laughs> 
But, now, um, where was the rejection process? Did you make it to the stage in front of the four, or was it rejection before that? I did. I made it to the top 100, and uh, it was like a weird situation. Um, the song went well. All the coaches were like, you're going to make it. Just pick the coach that you feel the best about. Like, So I felt really confident, and then – I don't know. At the end of the song, they all turned around. They were like, I don't know what happened. Like, we ran out of time. I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, what? <laughs> that doesn't feel any better. Wow. But it ended up being, you know, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that that didn't work out, truly. I, I was not glad for a couple of years. But um, but now I'm, I'm happy to be independent and doing my own thing. So. Well, then let me kind of dive in a little bit deeper on that so was it that traumatic that did it make you feel less than and then have oh. and, and was it was it a mental fight for two years because you know i've heard some horrible stories especially on the other side of things when it comes to american idol oh my god yeah i mean yeah I, we were all a lot of people i met there we were all young 20s and like we all thought we were you know the world was our oyster and like this was going to be our moment and they build it up. And, um, and I think that's good. But once you face rejection or if you're like a big fish in a small pond and then you're like on this national stage and a hunt, like thousand other people are way better <laughs> or just the right fit for that moment. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it was definitely a, a head, a head game for me for a while. Like, I'm not good. I don't know how to sing. I don't know how to play guitar. Like, but eventually I found my way. And, um, but some of my friends from then, like they never sang again, like they stopped singing. And so that kind of thing really does mess with a person. But, um, you, you know, yeah. that's, you know, I, from in the early, and I'm going to say for the early years of American Idol, when Simon was there, that was the best time to watch. But I always felt really bad for those that, and I'm not talking about the ones that literally had no talent. I'm talking about the ones that had talent, didn't make it through because it is mentally devastating. Oh, brutal. brutal. Yeah. I mean, brutal and in a way, very cruel. And for a lot of people, you know, that's just their opinion. That doesn't mean that they're right. Right, for sure, for sure. And when I listen to your songs, they completely missed the boat on that one. <laughs> You're very sweet. Thank you. <laughs> Seriously, because you you have, and, and I say this, I mean, I'm not Simon Cowell, but you have what it takes. I've listened to the songs. They're fantastic. Um, but let me ask you something because, um, well, this kind of answered the question because you'd already done The Voice. You got it turned down. Then you ended up being worship leader with uh, Red Rocks Worship. Um, tell us a bit about your cover of Creed's Arms Wide Open that, ladies and gentlemen, this is actually being used in the promo for the Academy Awards, which is a very big deal. How did that come to be? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> feels like the natural next thing. Um, no, I mean, I got really, really lucky. Um, my This is my second time living in Nashville. The second time around has been the charm. 
and I just fell into a groove and um, met a wonderful team of people over at Resonate Music. Um, and they just know what they're doing when it comes to TV and film. And um, they really believe in me as a person. Um, they believe in my voice and what I want to do. And so I've just gotten to meet a lot of really incredible collaborators and producers. And uh, so I, I wrote that, well, we didn't write it, but we uh, made that song, me and Tommy Prophet. And he's just on a different level when it comes to cinematic production. <laughs> Um, and he, he like turns to me, I don't know why I'm, I'm his call for like out of the box things. So he'll call me and be like, Hey, we should do a Folgers cover. Like the best part of waking up is <laughs> like just crazy, dumb things. That but, is like, crazy. He, he makes things work. And like, we did a Gilligan's Island cover. And so I just say yes to anything he, he asks because he's brilliant. Um, and so he was like, hey, what if we did uh, a Creed with Arms Wide Open cover? And we had no idea it was going to land the Oscars promo, or, um, but it, it was in the right hands and it was the right time. And it's a great song. So it really worked out. You know, it's funny because I, I saw the short version um, where it's just this logo and the word Arms Wide Open. And mm -hmm. so I listened to that first. It's, it's very, it's, it's, it's the short version, so to speak. And I'm sitting there listening because the great thing of the fact that there was like literally, there's not really a video on that, on right. this one I was watching. So I got to pay attention very closely to your voice, the arrangement. And I'm like, wow, because I know Creed, you know, we've talked to Scott Stab, We've talked to Mark Tremonti and, of course, oh, Miles awesome. Kennedy, the rest, you know, Alter Bridge. But to hear you sing it, as Simon Cowell would say, you made it your own. And <laughs> it was haunting. Very because of the way that your voice is with that song. If if Creed had never recorded that song and that was your song, nobody would know any different. I mean, you literally yeah. made it your own. But then I saw a video. I think it was the same song used with look like um, motorcycles. And I saw that. But then I found the Oscar promo. And this is the kicker of your version of Arms Wide Open. That is then when I heard and saw where that song just made cinema come alive. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It it literally is crazy. And to see it placed in a different format and in that Oscars promo, it worked. I mean, I don't think they could have found a better song. I know when we first got the email saying they were going to use it, I was like, that one? <laughs> but, but yeah, once you see like Leonardo DiCaprio, wow, DiCaprio. DiCaprio's face and you see like all these like movie snippets and like oh my god that was perfect so again they really know what they're doing <laughs> yeah because it was funny because as I was watching like you know they showed the movie clips in the promo and then as your version of Arms Wide Open is playing it's just you were ready to see the song being used in a film 
Like it's going to be part of a soundtrack. And, and I think that when people, if they really focused on the promo like, like you and I do, you're almost wondering what movie is that song from? That's how good your rendition is. Thank you. Seriously. And like <laughs> Tommy Prophet, I mean, he's just a wizard and I cannot speak more highly of him. And I want to make a million more covers like that with that guy. <laughs> Well, I think you're in definitely good hands because I actually spent some time looking up Tommy Prophet to see his other work. And yeah, I can see where both of you work very, very well together, uh, combining the talents because there's just there's just magic there. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, let me ask you this. Is making now are you this should be the real question. Are you making a transition from worship music to pop and rock? I definitely am. Yes. Is it difficult? Um, no. Um, so I'm also, I've been a pastor's kid most of my life. And, um, I think every pastor's kid has their own little thing where they have to figure out what am I going to do? And, in what space is it going to be? And am I okay with that? And, you know, cause you get a lot of the religious, uh, speak in, you know, if you do something for God or for the church, like it's somehow a little more special or blessed or whatever, anointed, whatever those words are. Um, and so I definitely had that in my head for a couple of years, but I've really just come to grips with, you know what? We're all made as we are and we're all good. And the things that come out of us are good. And so there's no reason to, you know, try to limit that or label it or uh, put it in a box. So, so coming back to Nashville, I really try to push myself to just be as creative as possible to blend genres, to paint with different colors and, you know, and it's been really fun and I don't really have any of those, you know, mental spin outs that I used to. I, I, and I'm older now and I'm just like, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I completely understand what you're getting at. Now, did you cultivate a fan base when you were with Red Rocks? <sighs> I should know that. <laughs> some people think- know, some people don't even pay attention to things like that. So it's common. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think the worship space, um, it it attracts certain kinds of people for sure. And I think I've I've had the trust and the ears of those people for for a couple of years. Um and I think I just think too, like Christians are just starting to look different, you know, like they're not all in this one category anymore and all ages and all going through different things in life and asking different questions. So, so I feel very excited to show new music and share new stories and, and see how people respond and receive it. Yeah. You know, to me, you know, I know in, it was really big, you know, for the, like the seventies and eighties to, for people to break out. If, if they were in, if they were known, let's say back then, if they were known as a gospel group, or a gospel mm-hmm. artist, and in the breakout into secular, I mean, the knives were coming out. Yeah, it was and, a big deal. Yeah, you know, and, you know, I've even interviewed 
you know, people like Striper, where the church didn't want them even near their front door. And uh, I don't know if ever was the same way, where you, you got that pushback. But what's funny is that tone of music now is basically the mainstay in all churches today. It's very <laughs> pop. It's very rock-oriented. So, yeah. you know, I think the hypocrisy finally faded, faded away. On the other yeah. side of that coin, too, with art, with with contemporary Christian artists, you know, maybe moving into pop or rock, I don't see anything wrong with that due to the fact that you're there to let your light shine. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've I've produced rock TV shows. Most yeah. of our guests were heavy metal. And I will tell you this, Mark Tremonti of Creed will be the first one to tell you they were not a Christian band at all and never was. <laughs> regardless yeah. of all of the rumors that were swirling around at that time. But, uh, yeah. you know, people were asking, even even at church, people were asking me uh, because they knew that we were going backstage with all these heavy metal bands. And the, fun, the funniest reaction was, is, man, that's just so cool. And I thought, wow, that's weird. And <laughs> But for you to be moving into pop or rock, hey, more power to you. Because, hey, you have the voice and the talent. Thank you. I mean, it's scary because there's so many, so many talented people. And pop is such a wide genre. Like, it's everything. (laughs) And, like, there's so many talented people that the world will never even hear. And, like, so it's, like, a little scary. But um, I'm just trying to make music that feels authentic to me and that feels good to me. Something that I would want to listen to. and then you know, chances are pretty good that other people might feel the same. So, yeah, it's, I think it's just staying true to yourself. And, you mm-hmm. know, I've, I've been told countless stories by recording artists, and, I, and especially from those that have became iconic or, or legends to yeah. just stay true and, and to hear people in the music industry who basically tried to make a, make an artist something that they were not and then if they were successful in being that artist that they didn't feel comfortable with once they made it big it was very hard for them to get back to who they really were um and sometimes they end up being who they really are once the limelight dims a bit right right yeah i had many opportunities early on to you know sign with different labels or and it was a lot of it was that ccm lane and i never felt i was like this just feels too boxed in like i just can't i can't get into it (laughs) um and i grew up listening to a lot of gospel r&b um soul music and so and you just i didn't hear a lot of that within the ccm world and so yeah I, i am very i am proud of myself i can say that i've i've waited until the right kind of people have um, shown up. And and I think it takes intention too, of like not just waiting for something to happen, but having an intention and like going after it, you know? And so I feel very grateful. I probably wish, you know, the younger version of me probably wish this would have happened earlier, but it's like everything happens when it's supposed to and you just gotta trust trust the process. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. And, and you know, like you said before, Nashville being a 10-year town, I mean, for some people, it can be 15. 
in rare cases, it could be 20. And um, it's amazing how many people that I've had discussions with that grew up in church, grew up singing in church, but then mm-hmm. now they're singing pop, rock, country. but they were never, they were never a Christian artist to begin with. That's just where they kind of cut their chops, learned yep. their craft. Um, I, even had, I even had one gentleman um, who literally would go into the abandoned, when the church, when there was nobody there, he would walk into the church and go on stage and sing his songs. They weren't gospel. They weren't Christian. They were country, but he would get up there when nobody was around and practiced. And hey, you know, way I look at it is God honors all the gifts, talents, and abilities that we have. Exactly. And, uh, yes. You know, so, hey, Nicole, you know, you let your light shine. And, and you know, one thing about, you know, pop music, I mean, did you ever have any record labels come to you trying to turn you into a pop tart like they've done with the others? <laughs> a pop tart. No, that hasn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, like, because, I don't know, it's not like I'm, in my 90s or something but i mean in pop culture it's like i'm in my 30s so i'm like more mature than a lot of the pop tarts as we say but i think i'm like you know what unless it's a really great deal i want to be independent like yeah. it's just i think it's where it's at you know so i'm very grateful well is the navigation in the music industry for you um much different because of all of the online streaming man i feel like yeah the first time i came to nashville it feels like a completely different lifetime um the approach like you really did need a label you needed radio play and now it's just that's not really as true um there's so many artists who stay completely independent and make it happen themselves they get a team um and their team makes it happen, you know? Um, and it's really funding, um, funding. And then I think syncs and streams are really how, how an artist can stay um, paying their bills, really. Um, that's kind of what's left. And then touring, of course, has been weird the last two years. So I think it's it's been good to learn how to kind of get a little scrappy and get intentional with what you have already. and just make it work. So yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I've, you know, I've sat down backstage, talked to, you know, artists firsthand and, and they, I mean, I had one band tell me, you know, we tour Europe for a reason so we can make a living. He said, we yeah. only tour America just for the fans. Cause there's no money here. Now that's in their genre. But you know, with other artists, they tell me, you know, most of the money is made touring, because the album sales are basically been ruined by all of the free downloads. Yeah. Or you need what? 10 million downloads to make 15 cents. <laughs> yeah. It's really sad. And it's sad because like I started out as a songwriter too. Like the songwriter gets the worst end of it all. Like when it comes to streaming, like the producer, the artist, they get their cuts, but songwriters like what? Five bucks. Like it's, it's really sad. Yeah. If they're lucky and you know, you know, you know, the whole thing about the songwriter is, and of course, you know, this is the mailbox money. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah. mailbox money isn't that good unless you have songs that are picked up by major artists who yeah. are on the radio. Yes. But, you know, I, I see, so I've talked to independents now that are doing very, very well. Yes, they get millions of plays on Spotify, but, you know, most of the money is going to be made touring and, and doing other things as well. I mean, for you, uh, is it is it difficult to create your own brand? Yeah, I feel like I'm also pretty dense when it comes to that because, like, I could sit and write songs all day and be creative in that way but when it comes to man i'm a bad millennial like i hate being on social media um i'm like nobody cares so i'm i need to get a a new mentality about it but and that's why i have a team they're smart about those things but but yeah it's really hard to just keep pumping out content and keep giving people a reason to stay connected and it's, it's hard in the streets, you know? Yeah, it, it is. I have, you know, I, you know, during the pandemic, I was talking to quite a few artists and some of them, and, and it's mostly the, the younger artists, you know, they mm-hmm. would go online and do like, you know, they, they would do online concerts, you know, yeah. weekly just to stay and at the same time, stay in front of their current fans, but building the fan base. And then you had, the legends that didn't really, you know, they, if they did an online concert, it was rare and it was probably doing it just to kind of stay in the forefront for a bit, you know, praying and hoping that touring was coming back. But now touring is, is now, I think it's about to be kicked into high gear since all of the mandates are being wiped away because it's an election year, but that's a whole nother story. But uh, do you have any touring plans this year? You know, I have always said I hated touring, um, but I'm working on a record right now that I'm really excited about and I feel really confident and I feel like it's kind of my story of the past couple of years and I'm like, oh, do I want to tour this? Maybe. <laughs> so there's a big maybe, but well, probably yes. So when, when will we uh, be able to hear this new album? So the first single will come out at the top of June, and then the full record will be out early fall. Well, then um, then I'm going to give you a reason to come back in the fall so we can debut that brand new album. That'd be awesome. I would love that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, is uh, so this is a full-length album, not an EP? It's like a, in between. It's like seven, eight tracks. The eight tracks is the sweet spot, I think. <laughs> I I agree with that. I think if you added two more, they just simply call it a full album. It's just yeah, it's too easy. <laughs> now, are are you going to put arms wide open on that album? I'm not, but uh, me and Tommy did, of course, have to do more Creed covers. So we actually have, uh, I think it's four. It's four tracks of uh, their top stream songs. That will be coming out next month. So wow, you know, maybe may, maybe you ought to contact uh, maybe some of the members of Creed and uh, yeah. do a little bit of a collaboration because I think they would be highly impressed, and I'm sure that they know by now that uh, your rendition uh, is the Oscar promo. I hope I hope they know about. It. They should know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, oh, it, yeah. it, well, if you're on Instagram, you can tag Mark Tremonti for sure. <laughs> you know, so, wow, Nicole, again, I want to thank you so much for honoring us, honoring us with your time. At the same time, where can all my viewers and listeners learn more about you? Well, like I said, I'm bad at social media, but I'm working on it. So you can find me on Instagram. My handle is just first and last name, Nicole Serrano. And then all new music will be on Spotify, Apple, everywhere you listen to music. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I will tell you this. Look up Nicole Serrano. Even go to YouTube and watch some of the videos and listen to some of the songs, even if it's the worship songs. Because either it doesn't matter what she sings. And, and like we always say, you know, there are people who can sing the phone book. Nicole is one of those. Okay. She is that good. And I am being honest, sincere, and genuine when I say that. Nicole, regardless what the voice thinks, you are an absolute incredible talent. And don't let anybody tell you any differently. Thank you so much. I've so enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, Nicole Serrano, check her out on Instagram at Nicole Serrano. And I know she's going to be coming back so we can talk about that new album in the fall. So stick around with me and I'll be right back after this. Just heard the news today. It seems my life is gonna change. Close my eyes Begin to pray And tears of joy Stream down Oh, I'm sorry.